Hey there, fellow streakers. Welcome to another streaking show. We are going to talk to you today about the kindness of strangers in a little town called Rangeley, Colorado, and also a fantastic event, the Nutcracker for special needs children, which is absolutely amazing. So let's start streaking. Jamie, how are you? I am great. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It's all upon us. We've got some kids in, some kids out. It's going to be a ton of fun. I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. So speaking of Christmas, I think we should just get right into this because the story that I put out there on our streaking app, believe it or not, I actually said... If you want to hear why Jamie completed her run-walk streak in Rangeley, Colorado, you got to listen to the podcast today. That's right. That was yesterday. Was that yesterday? It was two days ago. Two days ago. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. So with the holidays, obviously there's travel that goes on and a lot of family is moving from one place to the next to go and visit people here and there. And we similarly are having the same. So Jamie was with me uh, on a business trip and we kind of and we worked things out to where Natalia and Caleb would pick her up. I would finish my meeting. You were on a business trip. We we're in Utah. Yeah, we were in Utah. You were saying your trip was your business meetings City. was in Park City. So they were gonna come down from Idaho. Right. Pick me up in Park City and then we were gonna drive which they back did. to Colorado. Which, which they, they did. did. Right. And so you left on a Wednesday, Wednesday. of this and week. Of course, so it was Wednesday of this week. We've had no snow zero until Tuesday night when it started snowing and it snowed through the night and then, but it kind of stopped in the morning, Wednesday morning when we were going to leave. So they left from snow, um, with snow in, in Idaho and came down and picked me up and we all got in the car and we'd checked our routes several times and we were clear to go. And then we get in the car and it reroutes us because I 80 had closed for some which, odd reason. Now, this, this was about two in the afternoon, right? Yeah, it was in the afternoon, which was, I was a little irritated that it, I didn't know that it had closed earlier because it had closed earlier. But anyway, so it rerouted us to take I-70, which from Park City is not obviously as close as taking I-80. Right. It's not a straight shot because no. what you do is there's three routes across the mountains. There's I-80, 40, US-40, or I-70. Mm-hmm. And so what it was trying to do was get you down to I-70. To I-70 so you had to start on US, US 40. via US-40, right. So we're we're going along and we've plugged it in and <clears throat> and we're just talking up a storm, Natalia and Caleb and I, and then Caleb sleeps for a little bit and Natalia and I are talking and it starts getting dark and the roads are basically pretty clear. We're great. And then all of a sudden we realize we missed a turn. <laughs> just barely though. And we're like, So oh. was it still light out then when you missed the turn? It was like five a little after five o'clock so it so was getting dusk. dusk it was, it was dusk. dusk yeah okay. and so we're like oh rats we missed a turn so we flip the u on 40 and we go and make this turn onto cr 65 county road 65 and i didn't think much of it actually at the time i was frustrated that i hadn't been paying attention to my gps and that we missed the turn i've been trying harder to pay attention to that kind of stuff and I was a little irritated. I was like, dang it, I missed the turn. I got to stop getting so involved in the conversation and pay <laughs> Which, attention to what's going streakers, on around me. Streakers, let me just tell you right now, to have Jamie not be involved in a conversation, not going to happen. So just to let you know, she loves to talk with and get into, and that's why we love doing this podcast is because it's the conversation. You're having anyway, a great deep conversation. You're having a great deep conversation. So we flip the U and we go and we make this turn and and we're driving. And, and, and at this point, Caleb had kind of been Um, sleeping a little bit and Natalia was driving and Caleb woke up and got involved in our conversation. And as we're talking, I start to get distracted because I'm looking around and I'm like, 
we are on some back road. All of a sudden, there's no other cars traveling and the road's getting narrower. And it had started to get really like the road we were on now was packed in snow and ice. And it just suddenly felt very, very remote and icy and cold. And so I'm I'm saying, guys, this something doesn't seem right. And I don't even know if I said it out loud or if I was just thinking it in my head because I was trying to still kind of pay attention to the conversation. Anyway, I start to look at my phone because I'm, wa- I'm wanting to see how long are we going to be on this road. And Natalia's like, this is getting kind of slick. And, and all of a sudden, we kind of start to slide. We hadn't been traveling very fast. We were going maybe 25 or 30 because it had started to get slick. Right. So um, she starts, I'm looking at my phone thinking, how many more miles are we on this road? And we start to slide. And she's like, guys, I'm sliding, I'm sliding. And Caleb was like, you're fine, you're fine. But we weren't. We kept sliding. And the road kind of went off, not into a ditch, but the road was elevated. And then you rolled down kind of the mountain a little bit. And we started to slide. And then next thing we knew, the car just tipped, tipped over. And you rolled over. And we rolled, yeah. Wow. Well, we didn't roll. We we, we really just tipped. (laughs) And the reason I say that is because... Anyone who's been in an accident that things turned out okay, you look back and think of all the things that could have gone wrong and you realize kind of how protected or how lucky you were that that things didn't go worse. Right. And rolling is one of them. As I've looked back at that, I think I am so grateful that we just tipped and we didn't continue the the, momentum. But the car did end up on its side. Yeah. Both of the... I mean, basically everything fell... So both of the side, what they call curtain airbags... um, deployed so both curtain airbags deployed and for me i was i was behind the driver so all the stuff that was in the back seat because it rolled to the driver's rolled side to the driver's side okay and so all the stuff that was on the other side of the car the coolers and blankets and pillows and coats and all that stuff that we just kind of piled over there all landed on top of me <laughs> and so it took a minute <laughs> come for on me. that had to be a little bit freaky it was a little scary because my arms were pinned and the cooler was on top of me and i couldn't i couldn't <laughs> get it off of me right. and it took us a minute to realize that this had really happened wow because we we i think we all genuinely thought oh it'll catch we'll stop sliding at any minute and it'll be one of those close calls kind of thing not but actual didn't. but no the car actually actually tipped so, so at that point, you're you're pinned. You don't know I'm quite what pinned. to do. But does Caleb just start asking? Caleb is, okay? is a pretty cool com- cucumber, and I think likes preparing for the possibility of emergency situations. So and has been in some harrowing situations in 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 the past. And so his emergency Boy Scout be prepared kicked in, and and he kind of just started talking us through it. It's like okay who you know checked on tally are you okay they said they called my name three or four times before i answered i think i couldn't hear him or i was processing i don't know kind of freaked him out a tiny bit but then uh caleb was able to help get the cooler off of me and then he that would be scary if i called your name two or three times and you hadn't answered answered i would immediately start digging what happened did she get knocked unconscious because even though you say it just tipped, there's so many things that could happen as far as and I was thinking about any of the luggage or anything that hits you in just the right way or is, I mean, and at the time any we of didn't, the idea that it could hit you, Yes, that's, that's huge scary. And we didn't know how precarious we were. Like, were we going to keep rolling? You know, were we going to roll? Were we on the edge of something? Right. Um, and so Caleb was able to help get the cooler off of me. And so my first vision was of Natalia 
kind of suspended sideways, obviously being held by her seatbelt. Um, because I remember her hair was going a funky direct. Do you know what I mean? Like right. the hair is going yeah because down it's because all weird because suspended. gravity is pulling you one way. Yes, and it's, and it's disorienting because you should be facing a different. And way. that was me. I was trying to figure out like, okay, it's the cooler on top of me, but they had pulled the seat next to me. They had folded it down, and then in in the wreck, it had kind of popped up. So it was. I was trying to figure out. I'm like, I don't understand where I am and where this seat is, and where's the door and. <laughs> So Caleb was great. He was climbing around and was awesome to say, well, we need to climb out. We're And, and both Talia and I are like, well, we don't want to tip. And he's like, we're not going to tip. We're fine. So he was able to find the door, the passenger door um, in the front seat and help Natalia climb out. So opened and he it was straight great. up, basically. Opened it straight up. And he was great. He's like, we need coats. Everybody see if you can find your coat. And so we were able to gratefully find our coats i was grateful that i hadn't taken my shoes off a lot of times when we're traveling i take my shoes off and i hadn't <laughs> this time you hadn't yet <laughs> yeah and so we got our coats and natalia was able to climb out the top of the car which was i mean there was the side of the car but now it was the top of the car so we opened the doors and she was able to climb out and then caleb helped me unbuckle and and climb out that was a fun thing i've never climbed down the bottom of the car so I put my foot on something and it spun. I was like, "Oh, that moves." <laughs> so I don't know what it was. Wow! So you had it. So you were just because um, the car is a Nissan Xterra, and so mm-hmm. up it's it's a it's a larger SUV. I mean, not a huge one. However, you were able to climb down basically the undercarriage. Yeah, we climbed down the underneath of the car and climb out, and then and then Caleb was the last to get out. And the minute we opened that door, we realized how cold it was. Now I go back and look and it was like 12 degrees. Because you're in the middle of, you're between Utah and Colorado and in some back road. We really that... are in the middle of nowhere. So so we climb out and I immediately notice how cold it is. And as I am climbing out and climb out, we see lights and no way yes and so Natalia's, on this back road where there was no one else where you thought you're completely alone all of a sudden know, there's we headlights there was headlights so we were able to cl- scramble up the to good the top Lord was of the watching road over you guys i don't think it i know it <laughs> so we were able to scramble up to the top of the road and natalia and i were able to wave them down while caleb is um still climbing out of the car and it's um these two hunters a gentleman and his son and they they stop and they're like are you guys okay we're like, well, and, and, and immediately they're like, what are you doing here? You're like in the middle of nowhere. And then they look over and, and we say, well, our car tipped. And that's when they see the car and they're like, holy cow, are you guys okay? Because I think before they thought we were just walking down the road. <laughs> they didn't see the car. <laughs> right. And so they were super great. And, and at this time we'd kind of, we were, um, this is when I kind of started to get a little shaky. I was cold and kind of processing what had happened. And again, just so grateful that they came quickly. So there was a couple key things that happened. They came quickly. Um, they had cell phone coverage, which we didn't um, because they had a certain, I think they, they had Verizon or something and it, they got coverage. So you right didn't there. have any coverage at all. I didn't. Because someone else, someone asked me that. They said, well, did they have cell coverage? And I thought that you did, but they didn't. I think, I think Caleb, Caleb did, did because I was able to talk with Caleb. That's right. He did because he's on a different um Right. Plan too. Yeah. So, and then the other great thing is that these hunters knew right where we were. They were familiar with the road. So they stopped, they called 911. They stayed with us for probably about 45 minutes or a little bit longer. Wow. Um, they let us sit in their truck and get warmed up. 
And they stayed on the phone with 911 the whole time and talked them out to find out where we were because we were kind of, like I said, we're kind of remote. It, it turns out that it's a dirt road. It's kind of an old mining road. Uh huh. Um, we're not the first people for GPS to route this way. Apparently, the U.S. All right, fit streakers, do you ever ask the question, "Why did GPS take me this way?" Yes. <laughs> I mean, and did there it are not some... think there was a storm? No. See, that's and... the key right there. GPS does not think. It was it's like, an algorithm. This is the shortest. This is the shortest route. It finds the shortest route and it routes you to that route. Yep. That's why we still have to be intentional and deliberate. This is where we take a little bit of streaking break and say why streaks are so important is because when you put things on autopilot, there's many times where it can lead you in a direction where you really don't want to go. Yeah, you miss things. You, you just, you, we, and that's what it was. We were just following that GPS. And, and I look back and at one point, Natalia was like, could I have done something different so we didn't slide? And I thought where we made our mistake was getting on the road. We <laughs> yeah. should have just yes, stayed on 40. Yes, we should have asked the question we, before we got yep, on that. If we had looked a little bit more closely and, <clears throat> and thought this is not a road we want to be on. Right. Let's take the extra 20 minutes and and stay on this on US 40. And so. So, what ha- so, did, uh, so then progressing on the story, basically... The hunter stayed there with you. You were in their truck, and then did what? Who? Came, what emergency? The first person that came, came was a park ranger because okay. that's where we were in the middle of nowhere. So the first person to respond was a park ranger, and and the beautiful thing is, we come to find out we're close. We're about twenty minutes from Rangeley, Colorado, which is a small town in Colorado, um, and the people there. I feel like I feel a little bit like their family now. They all oh, they're part of your <laughs> part our of my family because yes. they just you know I met the park. I met the ranger. He was the first one to respond to it, um, and then shortly after that, an ambulance. Do you remember and a fire the park ranger's came. name by chance? I know I ask you, and you'd be and like, I, uh. I, I don't remember it now. Darn it! I know he's from Meeker, and Natalia remembers it. Yeah, um, but the thing that here's what was amazing to me is that we're on this remote road, and we tip the car. And all of the realization that comes with that, where you're like, we actually, our car tipped over and we're crawling out of it. And we go from being completely alone and very cold. And I swear 12 degrees in the middle of nowhere is colder than 12 degrees in the city. I don't know why, (laughs) but it felt so cold. And so we went from, and it's dark and the sky is really clear, which was great, but it really did enhance this feeling of being, feeling very alone. And to then a truck, one single truck coming by with lights that stops. And then in 45 minutes, we had a park ranger, an ambulance with all of its lights, another sheriff's car and a fire truck. And all of a sudden there was just people, lots and lots of people all there to help all there that came to help us. This community of this people community came together to came help you. came to help us. And so we were able to get in the ambulance and they checked everything to make sure we were okay and ask us all the questions. And that was Shannon, wasn't it? That yeah, was your that was the EMT. EMT. And, th- and there was about four of them. I don't know all of their names, but they were all very kind, very friendly, very understanding. Asked us where we were going. Why are you on this road? Why are you here? <laughs> we don't know why we're on this and road. Then, and then Ask when we GPS. tell them, that's what I said when I tell them where we're trying to get to, they're like, oh, GPS, huh? You're not the first. And then they tell us about the U.S. Olympic ski team that this same thing happened to. But of course, when and skis were everywhere. Skis were everywhere. <laughs> and they, but you just get a feel of these people that their job and their life, they spend coming and helping in these situations. And so we were able to, the, the fire truck drove us to a hotel 
in Rangeley, Colorado. First time ever you were chauffeured to a hotel. To a hotel. On a fire truck. And it's great because on the way. Was that great? I mean, was, come on. Did they turn really the lights neat. on and the, and the sirens or was it just a regular drive? It was just a regular drive. Oh. But he did, the fire truck needed chains to get up the hill on the road that we were on. Oh my goodness. So I don't know that we would have made it. You would have been like, you, we would have slid off the road said, at some point. We're not going to make this. Yeah. Something would have happened. And mm-hmm. so, but it was this great community where, where the, the, the fire truck that one of the firefighters in there, Keenan, it's like, let me call my uncle. He's got the tow truck, Jerry. He's the guy that's going to get you out. And so they all just knew each other and, and were really great. They knew exactly which hotel we should go to. So meanwhile, back at the meeting that I was at, I get a phone call and on my Caller ID, it says Caleb, and I know it's Caleb, and I know they're traveling together, and I'm in the middle of a business dinner. We were at a beautiful dinner, Christmas dinner. I was enjoying it. You know, we're enjoying all the things that come along with the holiday treats, and I see Caleb's name, and we're at a place where I can answer, so I answer. I said, hey, Caleb, how are you doing? Thinking that I was getting a status update. Well, I was definitely getting a status update, and the status update, I knew there was something wrong when Caleb said, well... well. <laughs> and the next words out of his mouth were, we rolled the car, and my, the next words out of my mouth were, is everyone okay? Is everyone okay? And he said, we're all okay. No one has a scratch. We're, t- he told me where they were and everything that was happening. Well, that precip- having that phone call distracted me for the rest of the night, and obviously I wanted to be where you guys were to help out in whatever way that I could. And so we, you and I made the determination the next morning that I would come and join you in Rangeley, Colorado, mm-hmm. where I met Jerry. Mm-hmm. who is the most friendly, fantastic tow truck uh, driver that there is. That They're friendly, they're, they're fantastic, and they're knowledgeable. And they're knowledgeable. They know, like, he, he just... He knows all the surrounding mm-hmm. area. He went out with Caleb to get the car. They towed it uh, and were able to put it on the tow truck. What's interesting is, as we're watching this, you know, uh, Jerry comes back with Caleb the next morning. The car is on the tow truck. And the the mail lady drives up and she's delivering the mail. And I see Jerry kind of look at her and then he pats her on the butt. And I thought, wow, this is a really friendly town. <laughs> <laughs> it's his wife. It's his wife. <laughs> she's delivering the mail. She was He's... delivering the mail. And she asked him, hey, are you going to be late to the meeting tonight? I heard that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what meeting it was, but she asked him. Well, Jerry's a great guy. Oh, my He's goodness. On... Just phenomenal. He's on a whole bunch of the boards for the school. Yeah. And he helps with. So this leads to the second thing that we had happen this weekend. So one of the things that Jerry was over is all of the special needs programs that they have in Rangeley. Colorado for the schools. So it was really neat to spend a little time in the tow truck. Um, Professional Touch is the name of his company. And to see he has a wall where he has all of these thank you cards from different people. And I realized right away we weren't the first out of town people that he had come and rescued rescued and saved and saved. And and then I secondly realized how involved he was with his community in the school because he had a whole bunch of thank yous all and different over things in his office, all just over plastered all of the different pictures of the school and letters and thank you notes and just different things that he was involved in. So that was our first week. We were able to get the car fixed and drive it um, back to Colorado. Believe it or not, Believe the tip not. did not cause as far as driving damage or anything else. So we it's were drivable. Able to... So we were able to drive it and we're in the process of getting it fixed. So that leads us to the next day, which our daughter is in Nutcracker. And this Friday night has... So this daughter is Lily. Lily. So Lily's in Nutcracker, has been in dance since she was six years old, and has a, just a phenomenal lead in the Nutcracker. She's, She's the Arabian excited. lead and very excited and just absolutely beautiful. And I was excited to get back for this. I was volunteering. Both you and I had signed up to volunteer for the Friday night performance 
This is the second weekend that they've done Nutcracker. And this special Friday night performance is what they call sensory friendly. And in all of my years of dance and all of the years that I've worked with Lily and and all the different studios that we've been at, this was my first experience and with the dance, dance studio. Years of dance is what, 15 this. years? Uh, yeah. Well, Lily is, yeah, since she was six, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12 years. 13 years. Yeah, 12 yeah. or 13 years. And we've danced at five different dance studios mm-hmm. in that time. And so we've had a lot of, and, and some competing studios and different things. But this is the first time that I've seen a studio do a performance specifically for people with special needs. So it's a, they call it a sensory friendly performance. It was only for, they would only sell tickets to people, families that had a child with special need. They called the, the, the guest of honor was, came, would come for free. And then they deeply discounted the tickets for the family members. And, and it was great. So they, they do things a little bit differently. They, they change the music to take out the high, the super high pitches of the music. They keep the lights a little bit higher. They let you sit wherever you want to sit. They let the, the kids and the families walk up and down the aisles if they want, or they can go up to the stage and be right there leaning on the stage. They don't let them get on the stage, obviously, but they can go right up front. And, and so it was so neat. This was a phenomenal experience. So I was an usher on one side and Jamie was an usher on the other side. And the first thing that happened that I was absolutely amazed by were the parents of these children as they came in, as I looked at each family, and first of all, how happy they were. Mm-hmm. And secondly, looking at each one of the parents and thinking with our, I mean, we've raised seven children, none of them with special needs. Nope. Uh, well, maybe, no, I'm teasing, no. none, none of them with special needs. But these parents, there's a special place in heaven for these folks. You can just Because see. what they do and what they sacrifice to help their children have the life that that they could have at the best mm-hmm. of their ability. And these special needs were all from children in wheelchairs that couldn't move, but maybe a finger mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe move legs or with different ticks and different um, nuances that one of one of the children that came in, he was an older child, and but he always had to be spinning this little yes, toy. I mean, that was his, the entire and he moved performance. the entire performance. Mm-hmm. And then there was this one little girl who came in and she had, I think she had Down syndrome from what I could tell. I remember watching her and I was just so amazed and her parents were just absolutely lovely people. She went in, I saw her sit down in about this back of the of the first section. Mm-hmm. So in the she orchestra like where they call the orchestra. Rows She's, back. Yeah, five or five or six rows back. And the music starts and the dancers come on stage and she has this beautiful little dress on. And she gets up and starts and starts to I dance a little bit. Too. Did you watch this? I watched her. I and then watched her parents had her sit down. Yeah, she stands she up stands and she's, up. you can just see she's like she's so, so excited. excited that it's starting. So her parents have her sit back down. But one of the things that I really admire about uh, the artistic director of this Sensory Needs one, she came on, she came on stage mm-hmm. first and said, we'd like to welcome all of our guests of honor. We sure appreciate all of you being here. And I want to let you know that you can, we're, we're not shushing anyone tonight. We're, you, if you're walking up and down the aisles, we're not making any note of that. Our ushers are here for your safety. Mm-hmm. But other than that, please let your children express themselves in the way that they want to. Yep. So this little girl, a couple of times, her parents pulled her down and then an usher came up and said, "You're welcome. she's welcome to do whatever she'd like. So she got up and went right up to the stage. And then when one of the principal ballerinas came on, she started to dance like that principal ballerina started mm-hmm. to dance. And in that moment, I thought, this may be the only time 
that that little girl has an opportunity to perform in a professional setting. Mm -hmm. And there was just no way you couldn't be moved by this very wonderful, special, amazing experience. And just watching the joy that oh, she, she was had so happy. as she watched these dancers and then she would mimic what they were doing and then she would stop and wave at them and she'd yell, hi ballerina, hi ballerina. And just the and appreciation and enthusiasm and love that they had as they watched these dancers. She So she was one of the only ones that was doing it at first, but then in the second half, all awesome. kinds of yes. little girls that... Some of them clear from the top. They had started at the back of the theater at the top. Yes. And I saw one little girl come all the way down, down to the stage and do the same thing and for the whole on last the stage half. And just amazed at these ballerinas. And then they would dance. And they would and then dance. They would and watch her dance. And it was amazing. And it was absolutely neat. Afterwards, amazing. we're talking to Lily and, and she said, I love that I got the chance to see expressed what I so often feel in dance, which is I feel an emotion of happiness and I want to just get up and dance. But she said, I've learned that when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate. And so I don't, you know, I don't do that that well, way. Well, I think some of us too, the social inhibitions the that social, we have that we're going to, we don't want to be looked at as weird or strange or any yes. of those things. And for these kids, they live their emotions, what they're feeling, right they there. show. And Lily loved it. She said it was so liberating and so appreciated as a dancer to see them enjoy it so much yeah. and to feel moved. Like what I feel moved when I hear the music, when I hear those things and I'm like, I want to dance. And to see the, the, the kids in the audience feel that same emotion, yeah. to see that music and think, I want to dance. It was a it was such a moving thing. And then what you said at the end of the night to watch these parents go back home knowing that they are on their game twenty four seven. Yeah. With these children. They are mm -hmm. always watching and protecting and keeping safe. You know what was interesting is I watched the um father I think the father, it, it may have been a brother, a father, whoever it was who that was, was working with, with the one um special guest of honor that was always moving, mm -hmm. always, always moving. He was so gentle in the way that he would suggest that he sit down yes. or that he, he never forced simple him to do touches, anything. It was simple touches voices. like, come on, here we go. Let's try this. And it was always just this really relaxing tone. And I thought, what an amount of patience that that would bring on to be, to work with someone that really just basically never stopped, never yes. stopped moving. And I thought the same thing because as he's moving, they'd obviously found something that helped him with his moving. So he had a spinner thing, but that spinner thing would hit his headphones every time it spun around. So it was a constant noise in connection with his constant moving. Uh -huh. And you are right that his, his brother or father who was with him was so patient and so kind as were the other people in the audience. Absolutely. Everybody Everyone was patient else. with all of the different nuances and the different things that were happening with the people. And yeah. and there was a lot of them. There was some intense coughing or a little bit of choking. There was cheering. There was crying. There was I saw that mother. So she was watching after her son who would who would drink something and then choke mm -hmm. quite significantly because he was one of the ones that was pretty in much paralyzed wheelchair. in a full mm -hmm. wheelchair. And she was just so patient and kind with him and obviously had to handle that before. Yes. Because she was able to take care of it very, you know, in, I, I don't want to say quickly, but in a in a way that was comfortable for her she and for was, him. She, knew she was what just she was right doing, there. Yes. Did you see at the end 
that young man who was in the wheelchair and the girl that in the pink dress that was dancing up uh-huh. front high five each other. I did. That was a tender moment for yeah, me. Yeah, because he raised his hands mm-hmm. and she came over and high fived and high fived him. him. Yep. <laughs> it was. Don't cry. I'm not crying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can tell. You're holding back the tears. So it was a tender But it was. Moment. It was emotional at every single level. One of the areas. So there were there were brothers and sisters of the guests of honor, mm-hmm. and the brothers and sisters didn't have the disabilities that the guests of honors had, and I was working with three. Uh, it looked like three that were either siblings, siblings and they mm-hmm. were all they were sisters of one of the individuals in the audience. I don't know who it was, but they were liberated. They were like, I can run up and down, I can yes. switch seats, I can go anywhere, and as children, they were taking advantage of that. And so one of the things that we were told as ushers is that basically you allow everything except for going up on the stage or if they're obviously going to be endangering themselves or get hurt. Well, these three little girls had come up to a section where we had some autistic people and the autistic people did not want anyone around them. That's why they went all the way to the back of the theater and they were Mm -hmm. on their own and they're either a mother or father was with them. And these, and these little girls had decided that they wanted to be up in these higher seats as well. And so they were climbing all over in and out and giggling back and, and forth laughing and laughing and, and giggling him. and chasing. And one of the autistic um, guests of honor, he you could tell he would get agitated because he'd start to stomp his feet mm-hmm. and he'd stomp them really hard. And then when the girls would go away, he would calm down and he wouldn't stomp his feet anymore. And I could tell that the mom was just a little bit having a difficult not sure time, not sure what it. to do because yeah. they had specifically chosen these seats because of where it was in the remote part of the theater. So what I decided that I would do is instead of watching the performance, I would watch these girls. Mm-hmm. And so I just looked at them the whole time. And every time I looked at them, they would see that I was watching them and they'd calm down Get a little bit quieter. and they'd be, you know, they'd test the water a little bit and I would move a little closer to them and just keep watching. And they finally calmed down. And so then I sat down and as I sat down, I, I would glance at them every once in a while, but then they'd get, you know, they get a little bit crazy again. And so I'd stand up. However, the reason why I go into all that detail is because what that then did is it still allowed them some expression, but it also gave the autistic boy the opportunity to participate. And I heard him when he was coming by after it was over. He said, in his autistic way, that was the best thing I ever saw. You know, and he would stomp down the stairs in excitement. Mm -hmm. And he just, he was so impressed with the performance in whatever way that he was comprehending it. And the other thing that happened is these three little girls, when they saw the one little girl dancing, they They went went all the way down Mm -hmm. and watched the ballerinas right up at the front of the stage. So they had an impact. This whole sensory ballet just had an impact on everyone there. It is something that I want to go to again. And I would love to usher it again. I felt so, I felt privileged to have the opportunity to be a small part of it. Yes. Through, through, you know, my volunteer hours. Yes. And, and I just, so I, I guess I was just impressed this weekend with the kindness of these people that are just going about contributing in ways that they're familiar with. And, and I look at it and I think the people in, in Rangeley, Colorado that had the expertise to know how to get me out of a situation that I didn't know how to get myself out of. Right. And and were able to, and then so freely willing to share, you should go to this hotel, you should do these things. Just helping me out and and helping us get back on the road and to where we needed to be. 
And then coming to this sensory performance where everybody was coming together, the, the artistic director that even had the thought to do this, to, to set this up, the, the ability to discount it, to make it something that families can come to, um, affordable. Then the, the parents that volunteer to usher, the dancers who are willing to spend so many hours perfecting their dancing abilities yeah, to share those talents with another them. Another little thing, just an interruption there. In the beginning, the music, because they had changed it, it repeated three different times. And the dancers, when it repeats, the dancers are trying to progress it forward. And they're like, something's not forward. So there was a point where they they basically closed the curtains. We applauded. We Mm -hmm. thought it was a scene that was over. When they closed the curtains, they reset the music. And then off to the performance, they went. And I think that was because of what you were saying earlier, that they had changed the music so that it was more sensory- Friendly. Uh, friendly toward those who are in the audience. Right. And then I looked at the people that, that had put the performance on and all of the work that went into having the event happen. But then I also looked at the families that came to that event and the impact that they had on me and my desire to... So I noticed those those girls that you were talking about too that didn't have special needs, but were being rather rambunctious. And at first I was like, well, maybe we should go tell them to kind of be quiet because they know better. And then right afterwards, the thought hit me. These are siblings of, of a family that has special needs, which means a huge amount of attention is going to taking care of that child with the special need. And who knows that this isn't an opportunity for them, that they have friends and they're not helping with that child right now. They're playing, they're enjoying, they're having a little bit of freedom. And, and instantly I was like, okay, I don't want to shut that down either. Just this understanding of all of these people and how they are bringing their talents and their challenges together and literally blessing the lives of all the people around them is absolutely in different ways what i see too is in both of these areas these are both communities and we talk about law number three in streaking which is to create a community and the community is for what purpose to celebrate to celebrate and that's what i saw we celebrated with the people in Rangeley, Colorado, who in this small little town, if you ever get a chance to go on US 40, it's a little bit of a tick off of US 40, but go to Rangeley, Colorado. It's just this great little beautiful town and meet Jerry, the tow truck driver. He is absolutely worth every part of the gold that we had the opportunity to associate with him. How they could come together as a community and help you. And then also the community of of the arts, of the especially arts. the uh, Colorado Conservatory. Isn't that isn't that Lily's Colorado Conservatory of Dance? Is of where dance she's is where she's dancing. Her, they come together and and as a community celebrate these special guests who, in any other scenario, would not be able to go to a ballet, especially of this caliber. I mean, yes. this is not this and is a professional ballet that you buy tickets to, and there is beautiful performers. The Sugar Plum Fairy is absolutely gorgeous and her prince is amazing and they dedicated their time energy and effort to years and years of practice to be able to perform on stage and they willingly gave that to these individuals who could basically steal the show from them but they contributed as well right and this community that came together to celebrate them that's what i look at that's so beautiful about streaking in particular is you can create all these different communities and from it you start to associate yourselves with other communities. It's just, it's really And neat. we're all lifted up and yeah. made better. Yeah. I was thinking about that today. I was thinking about some of the different 
podcasts that I've listened to and books that I'm reading and was really struck with the idea of how each of us have a passion around something and that when we take that passion and we share it with someone else, we are able to teach what we've learned, share our experiences, and then people grow yeah. and, and learn more things and are inspired and want to be better. And we take all of these different pieces and it all comes from different people being willing to share their passions. And so that's what I feel. I have a question is. for you. You roll, you tip the car. All right. And now you're in the hotel. I'm supposing that you had not done some of your streaks, many of your streaks, whatever. I hadn't. And I had that thought. I had, I had run in the morning Okay. and I had drank my water on the way. I was drinking my water. Um, and I'm trying to think, and I think I had read, I had read from a book cause I had spent the morning in the hotel, but I, I totally relaxed the morning that I was in the hotel. I took a nap. <laughs> I played some computer games. I did a little shopping online. I did not do my streaks in the morning. So that night. So that night. You got checked into the hotel. You sat down. Now, sometimes people would say, well, you could just miss. You went through a traumatic experience. You can miss. Why did you choose to do your streaks? I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose them. Well, and here's something. I, a couple things I thought about. One, I was like, okay, I brought the things I needed to complete my streaks. I had them. I was able to get them out of the car. Everything I needed was in my backpack. <laughs> to be able to complete the streaks. Um, so that was one thing. So I did think it did help me to look at dependencies and traumatic experiences where I was like, okay, what would I have done in, and there are some traumatic experiences that are gonna, you're gonna lose your streaks. I mean, just some things like, had we been injured and not conscious, I, I wouldn't have got my streaks done, Sure, you know, obviously. Right. But I really was amazed and grateful that I was like, even after this pretty, traumatic, totally unexpected experience. Here I am in a hotel sitting with my journal and a pen, writing it all down and doing that. And that's that one of your streaks because, is to write at least one sentence in right, your journal. One sentence daily. in my journal. And I was doing that because, and I was so tired and that, that, that. But, but couldn't that, you just have waited to the next morning? I mean, okay. So let's say you broke all the streaks and, and you could wait until the next morning. I mean, couldn't you have I done that? I didn't want to though. I wanted, there was something grounding familiar, um, comforting, comforting in being able to sit there and process. And my streaks helped me do that. They totally helped me do that. As I look at and consider and know some of your streaks and I think of my streaks, I think that the reason that I do them in circumstances, which would normally be one that I wouldn't do some of these things to your point, it helps me to stay grounded and focusing on who I continually want to be mm -hmm. so that no matter the circumstance, I'm not going outside of who I want to be. I'm not losing my kindness in an event of someone being really mean to me. Right. I'm not losing my sense of spirituality in the face of something happening that is really quite traumatic. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually consider or continually doing the activities that will get me to the person I ultimately want to be. I think that that is what has been liberating for me as you and I have been on this streaking journey is it helps me to be consistent in circumstances that I could be pretty ugly. Yes. Does that make sense? Totally. And it helped me realize that the things that I have as streaks truly are who I want to be. So my geography streak that night 
was to look at the map and figure out what road it had taken me on. Why did it take me on that road? And where US 40 would have dropped me. Like I took some time and thought, okay, this is where I was going. This is where I was That's trying really to get neat, to. That's really actually. So that was, and, and I thought, this is part of the reason I have this geography streak is to help me pay attention to the world around me <laughs> and get better at understanding where things are and directions. And right. and I and I, I did that streak. And I was like, yeah, this is who I want to be. And So I'm do you know I started a new streak? I, no. A journal writing streak. Did I tell you that? No. I'm eight days in. Nice job. Yep. What and made you decide to... So I finally decided to start one. So I didn't have a journal writing streak. I was writing because I want to be a writer. And so I write... Uh, at least one article a week. I write at least one letter a week. Um, and I write at least one sentence a day towards an article, letter, or book on a daily basis. However, what I found is, and a lot of the things that we've been studying, like for example, gratitude, and looking at people who've talked about gratitude, and we talk about kindness. kindness. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about being a kinder person. A common theme through all of them was a journal. Mm-hmm. Journal and write your moments. I've actually been listening to Whitney Johnson's podcast on Disrupt Yourself because we're going to be on her show here next year a little bit. And so I've been and listening to- And we're actually going to have her on Yeah, ours we're going to have well. her on we ours as well. Really we have some really great people podcasts. coming in uh, 2022. We, um, as I've listened to the people who she interviews, almost to a person, they have some type of a journal where they write a gratitude statement, a kindness statement, a statement of things that have happened through the day. And they always say that it helps them to re- to remind them who they are. And so I thought, you know what? I probably need to start writing this. And so I started a journal streak, which, like I said, is eight days old. And it's, it's the same as your streak. Write at least one sentence in my journal daily. And it's the first time where I haven't felt like I've had to write a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and secondly, it's where I felt like I could be unfiltered. And the third thing is, is I capture in very short words, the moments of the day. Mm-hmm. That's been really helpful. And so that's what I see with what you were saying in regards to tipping is you're capturing the moments of the day. Yep. And it gave me a chance to look back and I had a huge amount of gratitude for a lot of things. Um, I had a huge amount of gratitude for what didn't happen. I had a huge amount of gratitude for the people that were there and what did happen. And, and most of all, took some time to, we're both grateful to God for watching after and protecting and helping that, yes, each one of us in the ways that we were. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening in today, fellow streakers. We hope that you have a safe and wonderful Christmas celebration and also a happy new year. We've got a special new year. Um, is it next week? No, it's not next week. Next week will be uh, just after Christmas. But the week after that, we have a huge announcement for streaking. And so it's, we're really, really excited about it. But we'll hold off on that because it's going to be Talon and I that will be talking about that. Um, next week, we'll probably be talking a little bit about Christmas. Or maybe we'll be doing an encore episode since it is actually Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> but we'll do one of those. If you'd like to ask any questions, reach out to us at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at streakingmastery.com or Jamie, J-A-M-I at streakingmastery.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Re- or download the or app. Download the streaking, app. Streaking, S-T-R-E-A-K-I-N-G, Streaking, the Streaking app at Google Play or the Apple App Store and get ready because the app is getting a huge upgrade and it is something that will knock your socks off and be 
fantastic for our community of streakers. Well, until next time. Keep streaking. A better you.